And um, Emily's training for ordination to be a vicar at um, Trinity Bristol. And we have the privilege of her company for the last month. And it's, it's just wonderful to have her here with us. And um, she's preaching tonight on feeding the 5,000. So let's we pray for Emily and um, pray her. Father, we just thank you for Emily. We thank you for your hand on her life. We thank you for the way she just radiates your love. And we pray, Lord, as she speaks now, would you just speak your words through her powerfully. Anoint her lips with grace and bring your life through them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. Yeah, let's have more response than that. Good evening, guys. Great, thank you. Um, I want to start this evening with a confession. The topic that I'm talking about, I'm not always convinced by. Right now in my life, I have questions. Where am I going to go at the end of this year once I finish studying? How am I going to finish a dissertation or even begin to write one when I've struggled with 3,000 word essays? And things this week, like, do we have enough food for volunteers? All these things I've wondered about and pondered and thought about how can I combat them? What can I do to make things better? How much food can I buy in the church's budget without it looking stupid when the volunteers arrive? There have been a lot of sweets next door. But you see, there's a problem in that response. It's all, what can I do? How can I make things better? And not, what can Jesus do? So I wonder. And then in that, there's like an undermining of kind of what Jesus can do. There's a, there's a thinking there that says, I don't believe that Jesus can provide So I wonder what worries you right now? Is it things like, where am I going to live next year? Or how am I going to get on with this colleague this week at work? I believe that God wants to speak into that situation tonight, even through a passage that you may have read many times through the years. So let's dig into the Bibles. Um, If you could pick up a Bible, that would be great, or your phone. And turn to Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. Matthew 14, starting at verse 13. And it's on 981 in the church Bibles. When Jesus heard what had happened, that's referring to the death of John the Baptist... Um, his friend and his cousin, who, and potentially the one person who really understood what Jesus was about and doing. So when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had died, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up two basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Now, I originally wrote this talk, and I missed out this point, and I felt like it was kind of important, and that is that Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That's pretty awesome. In fact, Jesus doesn't actually feed 5,000 people. If you read it, it says the the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So if we were to assume that the men made up about half of the number who were eating there that day, that would probably be about 10,000 people, which is about the same number as live in Hampton Wick. So it's maybe the equivalent of us going to, I don't know, Waitrose over the river, picking up five, five loaves of bread, two fishes, and knocking on doors. And there being enough. That's pretty awesome. And my friend um, was leading a student house party, and she had this um, experience, which I think says this feeding of the 5,000 or the 10,000 isn't just for when Jesus lived, but it can happen today. So this is my friend Ellie writing. Back in 2014, I was leading the student house party. Over the weekend, we enjoyed amazing food. But as the students were dishing up the mango chicken on the Saturday night, it became apparent that there was not going to be enough for the 70 or so hungry students in the dining room. I nervously looked at Josiah, who was serving. There's not going to be enough, is there? To which he replied, don't worry the Holy Spirit will provide. We'd just come from a seminar in which I'd been teaching on the Holy Spirit and the amazing things God can do through his power. But I remember feeling somewhat frustrated by his confident response. I walked away and looked at the tables that still hadn't joined the queue and was frantically trying to come up with an alternative plan. Given that we were in the middle of Norfolk, With the nearest shop miles away, the options were somewhat limited. I went back, looked in the saucepan and asked Josiah what on earth we were going to do. The Holy Spirit will provide, he said, as he looked at my panicked face. More and more students came forward to have their plates filled and went happily back to their tables. This went on for what felt like forever until Josiah informed me that everyone was fed and there were seconds. We saw our own miracle at Letton Hall that night. There wasn't enough mango chicken for all those people and Josiah told me afterwards that he knew that too. It's something I have never forgotten and I went away humbled and incredibly thankful to our Heavenly Father who is so faithful and really does provide. 
So the question from that is, do we actually believe that the God we worship, the God who we've been worshipping this evening, really is able to turn five loaves and two fish, or whatever we offer him, for that matter, into food for 5,000 or 10,000? My next point is that Jesus' provision is for everyone. You see, the number of people who were fed is not limited to 5,000 or 10,000. It's actually just limited to the number who were present in the fields that day. This story takes place in fields next to a lake. There were no walls, there are no boundaries. It's not like it took place in a house where you have to climb through the roof or in a temple where there would have been courts and your entrance would have been limited to your rank within the Jewish faith. There are no walls. These are just people who have come searching, come following after Jesus. There's also no goodness test. Um, A Baptist preacher called Charles Spurgeon, who I don't think enjoyed having babies sitting in his talks very much, comments about the fact that the women and children who appear in the final verse, well, those children, if they're grouped with the women, were probably very young. They'd have been hungry, they'd have been hot, they'd been outside in dusty circumstances. They would probably have been crying. And yet they're fed. Jesus feeds everyone who is present. The only thing that these people seem to have in common is that they are hungry and that they are there. It's a remote spot that they have followed Jesus. Jesus says they are like sheep without a shepherd. And he teaches them, he gives them understanding, he nourishes them both spiritually and physically. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not a good person. It doesn't matter if you're old or young, if you're male or female. Jesus is able to provide. And Jesus provides for everyone. Jesus' provision is also through us. I don't know if you've noticed what the disciples do in this story, but we're going to unpack it a little bit. First of all, they do spot the need and they take it to Jesus. They say, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So they've seen that the crowds will probably be hungry and they've told Jesus, send them away. Let them get some food. Jesus doesn't listen to the solution, but he does listen to the issue. He says to them, what do you have? And they say, we have only five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus asks them to take it, to bring it to him. And they do obey. And then Jesus lifts it up to God and gives it out. And again, the disciples obey. They are willing to take the small amount that Jesus presumably gives them in that moment. And they start giving it to the people. And it becomes multiplied. So what do we learn from this, from these disciples? Well, number one is to take the issue to Jesus. Those worries that I marked out at the beginning, actually the right response is not to think, how can I provide? What can I do? But how can I 
God, with your help, what would you like me to do? I think often nowadays, I know that I'm guilty of this. If I have an issue, I'll search it on Google or I'll go to a friend and I would suggest that maybe Jesus is another or the best response. Number two, maybe they, you know, the disciples try to offer a solution here, but actually all that Jesus needs to know is the issue. Sometimes we have to give up what we have. The disciples have to give up those five loaves and two fishes. And at the time, they probably thought, there goes our dinner. What? But it becomes so much better in God's and Jesus' hands. I wonder what maybe you're struggling um, to, to hand over to Jesus right now. What issues there are. Um, I've been thinking about kind of when I have struggled most. And I think one of the times was in an office that I worked at in Exeter. And everything was kind of being restructured. And so lots of people were in roles that they weren't enjoying and were really struggling with. And as a result, people were like being mean about each other. It just wasn't a pleasant place to work. And for probably about six months, I would cry out to God in this situation. And I would say, God, please help me leave this office. Give me a transfer anywhere else but there. And that answer never came to be. But instead, a, a girl called Lydia moved into the desk next to me. And she was actually from another office. Um, they just reshuffled that office and were just like, here you go. And it made all the difference. She started encouraging me. I was able to encourage her. And as a result, we stayed in that office. And I'm still now in friends with my colleagues from that place. And I'd like to think that that was part of a bigger picture that actually I was meant to be in that office. That instead of just giving me dinner for one night, he gave many people the food. We get to play our part too, but we need to take our problems to Jesus. So, so far, we've had Jesus provide for everyone, everyone who was present. We've had Jesus' provision is through us. And finally, Jesus is the ultimate provision. I wonder if at any point when Jesus received these five loaves and two fish and he lifted them to God and he thanked God for them, whether he was worried. I've got a lot of people here, God. How am I going to make this go round, all these people? My suspicion is that maybe he wasn't. Why do I think that? Well, I think Jesus knew his scriptures. He knew his Bible and he knew his God. I think sometimes when we get worried, we need to remind ourselves of God in action, both through the Bible, through his word, but also in our own lives. Probably my, the story I most go back to when I'm worried about my future, particularly and where I'm going to go after this year, is happened in 2016. I'm afraid it's another office, unhappy office story, but basically this time I handed in my notice. I was a finance manager and I just had enough and it was pretty clear that that was the right way to go. But I had absolutely nowhere to go from that point. But on the very day that I handed in my notice, but not until after I'd done so, 
I received an email from someone saying, Hi, I, I've been praying as you hand in your notice. I was just wondering, would you be interested in a conversation about becoming our au pair? So I went and I became a, a live-in nanny for three months in southwest London. With four, they have four kids. And that was not what I dreamt of. That was not a normal jump to go from being a finance manager to being a live-in nanny. But it was amazing. Those were probably the most transformational three months of my life. And without those three months, I don't think I'd be stood here or training for ordination. So that's a story that I just remind myself of and I say, yeah, Jesus, you've, you've provided in the past. You've given me places. You've given me jobs. Thank you. So therefore, why should he change tomorrow or the next day? So what do you think Jesus might have considered? Well, I think there are three particular Old Testament um, stories that he might, you know, might have flashed into his mind. They're all stories of the people who God had chosen to lead his people, the Israelites, at that time in the desert, providing bread for God's people. First of all, you've got Moses in Exodus, when God provides manna, enough bread for each day. Then you've got another prophet called Elijah, who is fed by ravens. And finally, Elisha, who feeds a hundred men on 20 loaves. And this was something that the Jewish people expected of their Messiah. They expect, and the Messiah is like the chosen person of God who is going to lead his people to salvation. The Jewish people expected that their Messiah would be able to provide bread in the desert. It's no wonder that all four of the gospel accounts talk about this encounter, Jesus providing food for the 5,000, because that was one of the things that pointed to Jesus being the chosen one who was going to lead his people into salvation. And ultimately, Jesus himself points to this. In John 4, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus himself is the bread in the desert. We are all invited to God's heavenly banquet. Same as everyone in that field who went to that field was fed. So we are all invited to God's heavenly banquet. There is no test. Same as anyone, old or young, however you felt like you landed on the good scale, was fed that day. There is no test to pass to reach God's salvation. You just need to admit your need and to eat. We need to be expectant and we need to accept Jesus' provision. All four gospel accounts of uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 contain four verbs. For instance, in uh, this account in Matthew, it says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. He broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. The bread was taken, God was thanked, it was broken and it was given. 
These are the same verbs as are then used in Paul's account of how the Last Supper should be celebrated. In 1 Corinthians it reads, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, as the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Eat this. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The ultimate way that Jesus provides for us is his death on the cross and his resurrection. When his body, like the bread, was broken, it was lifted to God, and then it was given to each of us to satisfy our need. And we remember this as we celebrate communion, as we will do so in a moment. So, if we have given our lives to God, we need not worry about either our ultimate destination or the little things in between. If he can care for our major needs, how much more is he going to care for our small ones? Jesus still cares. The feeding of the 5,000 shows a bigger provision. However tough a situation is, Jesus can and will provide, and ultimately, he has provided. Shall I pray for us? And then I think Jerry's going to come and lead us into communion. Lord, I thank you that you have provided for us. That you are the bread of life. That when we eat of you, we will not go hungry. And we can trust you with everything. Lord, help each one of us to lay down our fears and to trust you. And as we take communion, even as we walk up, to lay them down the things that might get in the way. And as we take it to know your provision for us and your salvation. In Jesus' holy name, amen.